Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to author and graphic novelist Jarrett Krososka about several of his works. So in quarantine, he's been doing a YouTube series called Draw Every Day. We get into that. We also get into his autobiographical memoir, Hey Kiddo, which was a National Book Award finalist, his work on the Lunch Lady series, the Jedi Academy series. There's a lot of great stuff that Jarrett is doing, both in the world of children's literature, as well as helping to empower young artists alike. So we get into all of the great stuff that Jarrett's doing. I think you're definitely going to enjoy it. So stick around. My conversation with Jarrett will be right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Mr. Jarrett uh, Krosaska. I nailed it. Got you it. You did it. You did it. <laughs> Jared, how are you doing today? I'm well, Joe. How are you? I'm doing superbly. And I'll tell you why. It's because I just finished reading Lunch Lady to my daughter last night, and she could not get enough. She asked if we could stay up just a little bit longer to read the second book. And, you know, I said, sure, of course, why not? We got to find <laughs> out what happens with uh, the Lunch Ladies and, or no, the librarians. It was the librarians. We had just finished the Cyborg Substitutes. But, but all of that to say, you've got a lot of great material. It spans so wide and so much. What I want to do and really want to start out with first. Um, it's a question sometimes I like to ask to really set the tone, especially if I have parents on the show. And mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what do you, um, what, what does being a good parent mean to you? Ah, that's a good question. What does it being a good parent mean to me? Uh, you know, I, I, I would say it means, uh, supporting your kid to become who they are want and need to be right mm. so so for me as thinking of my my grandparents who raised me right you know they were two people who grew up during the great depression and suddenly now and they they adopted me in like 1981 and then you know by the time i graduated high school in 95 i was talking about i wanted to go to art college right. and they still supported that i mean it was so outside of their wheelhouse you yeah. know um and so, yeah, to me, to me, a good parent is, is not defining who your kid needs to be for them, yes, but just fostering who they are as they come up. Right. It's really inviting them to, or fostering that environment where they can truly be their most authentic self and yes. really discover who they are. And that actually brings us to uh, today's sponsor of the podcast, which is Snuffy. Uh, Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. And the owner and operators, good friend Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox Podcast logo. So if you like his work, you want to go support him, go check it out, snuffy.co. But I... I'm really fascinated by your autobiographical uh, graphic novel. There we go. Say that like five times fast. Uh, Hey, kiddo. And it was something where 
you know, reading a little bit about your story ahead of time, reading, you know, a little bit about it from just research and then the back of the book as well. I, I have to admit, I think it took me a while to pick it up because I knew it was going to be a, a difficult read. I mean, being, you know, having, having two young children and being in similar situations as far as like having friends in situations and then also not being in some of the best situations growing up myself. Um, I knew it was going to be difficult and maybe a little, um, close to home on, on some of the the subject matter and the content. Um, and then also with, you know, struggles I think that I've had and other people have had as well. It's just a natural part of life. But what I really appreciated, I think the most from Hey Kiddo is the, the, what is it? It's, it's framed in such a way that I feel that I'm experiencing it as you as at the age you are in the book, in the different chapters. And so I think it presents the the information, the story to me in a way that is easy for me to digest and process. And then you get more and more information as the book progresses about uh, your relationship with your mother, your relationship with your father, your relationship with your grandparents that you spoke of. And you're really able to see the world in this, in this kid's mind perspective. And you see how he, you interact with the world around you. And I really want to start by what was your, you speak a little bit in the, in the afterward of the book of, of kind of some of the motivating factors for you writing the book and drawing it. But I want to know what truly made you say, this is kind of what I want to put down. And this is where I want to like share my story with the world. Cause you'd been, you'd been publishing books for a while prior to this, correct? Yeah. My, my first, uh, picture book was published in 2001. That's right. And that was the Lunch and, Lady books, right? Uh, no, that was Goodnight Monkey Boy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then uh, the, the Lunch Lady books wouldn't come until 2009. Oh, okay. Uh, but in 2001, when my first book was published, I mean, even when I, I should backtrack, even in 2000, when I, when I signed the contract for the book, you know, I kind of looked at that as like, oh, wow, like here's like, here's the happy ending for that kid who loved to draw. Like he right. ended up succeeding in what he wanted to do, despite the, the trauma and the drug addictions and the alcoholism that was swirling around him. Uh, but then every time I sat down to write the book, I would stop and hesitate out of fear. Like what fear of what is this person going to think or that person going to think. And, and, you know, as I found myself sort of cherry picking who I was going to be honest about, I'm not ready to write this book. Right. Um, but what really, and but it was always in the back of my mind to to write something. I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with uh, people's coming of age stories and how they get to be who, who they are. And, yeah. Uh, and in 2012, the very end of 2012, I gave a TED talk, and I was a last minute replacement for that TED talk. I was I was called at noon. The event started at four <laughs> that same day. Oh my God. <laughs> and they said, Hey, our, it called me and said, you know, it was a TEDx at Hampshire college, which is the next town over from me. Right. And they said, would you be able to fill in? Um, in- incredibly intense challenge. Uh, and it was, it was Gina who, who is my wife said, you know, cause she's just watching, she watched me pacing the floor of the kitchen and spitballing ideas. And she's like, you're thinking too, like you got the only story that you can tell with, with that short of notice is the only story that you're an expert on. And that's your story. Mm-hmm. And so, so then I started spitballing how I would talk about it. Like I would, you know, I would say, Oh, I would, 
I hook it up there and I'll say, I love to draw and my mother loved to draw, but she was addicted to drugs. And then Gina stopped me and said, no, your mother was addicted to heroin. And you should, you should say that, be transparent and be honest. Be specific, and yeah. uh, so when, I mean, when I arrived at the venue, they showed me to my seat, the lights went down, the first speaker went up. So I never had time to go over the talk. Oh, no. uh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't have like um, a, a real plan other than I, I had a bit of a slideshow that was I'd use during my school talks, but I was gonna talk very differently than when I talked to elementary school students. Sure. And so like when my, when, when my feet hit the stage, right? When it was my turn to speak, like I only knew one thing to be absolute and that's whatever I said and did would go on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm mic'd, there are five cameras trained on me and it went on the TEDx YouTube page. Yeah. So, which is different from, from TED.com, right? It's right. like major leagues versus farm league, whatever. <laughs> uh, and so, and so it went viral. Uh, and, and then from the viralness of, the TEDx YouTube, it caught the attention of TED.com. Mm. And then they took that video and graduated up to a TED talk of the day. Wow. Right. So, so I think about that often, like I just woke up that one Friday afternoon in October of 2012, just living my life and, and not knowing with, with within hours, I'd be delivering a, a talk that would be viewed by more than a million people. Right. And so after the talk was out there and I would visit schools I would meet so many young people who had a similar set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. One kid, you know, this kid is, has a um, parent who's addicted to drugs. This parent, this kid is being raised by a grandparent or an aunt or uncle. This kid has a parent who's incarcerated and, you know, it wouldn't matter where I was. And, you know, in regular times I visit, you know, anywhere between 60 and 80 schools per year. And I go all across the country. Uh, I, and I, and so when I say everywhere and every single school I go to, suburban, urban, rural, private, public, it wouldn't matter where I was. I'd be somehow either connected directly with the student or the teacher would pull me aside and say, well, this is why we you, you being here is meaningful to this one yeah. kid that was sitting in the back. And so there is this real switch that went off where I said, well, here's this, I always wanted to write my story. Yeah. But now I, f I really feel as though it's my duty to write the story right? Uh, because I've lived it. I know the experiences, I know the emotions, and I'm able to tell the story in a very unique way through through graphic literature, right? Through, yeah. through comic. I, you know, one of the things that was really incredible was your, <clears throat> your use of actual pieces of art where you could within the book or, or actual letters written. It gave the piece this, this heartbeat and this connective tissue from what you're reading to the the past that occurred. And I think sometimes when we're reading something uh, like Hey Kiddo, which is, which is autobiographical, which is a bit more, you know these things really happened. But when you see the physical evidence of what yeah. you were talking about, it just, it hammers the point home in such a, a powerful way. Thank you. Yeah, no, I wanted to remind people that this really happened, right? right. And, and I wanted to show how I grew as an artist and, and also being able to include, you know, the letters that my mother wrote as well. Yes. Uh, and while she was uh, deceased, uh, when I was finishing the book, she died while I was writing it. Um, you know, I was able to give her a voice in it. Right? right. So you sort of, you could sort of get a sense of that point of view of a from her being a, a kid who was, who was really troubled. Right. Yeah. And had difficulties. You know, and I think addiction is so, it's so prevalent 
with how it's so rampant is what I mean to say. And, yeah, and yeah. It, 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 when it takes hold of people, it never, it never lets go. And I think some folks are able to, to have a different uh, ending to their story and, and, and chart through it. But I, but I think, you know, I heard something that talked about addiction. You're, you're always going to have this, um, I was watching elementary. That's where it was. I was trying to recall. And in elementary, it's a reimagining of Sherlock Holmes in current day. And he's also a heroin addict and he's recovering and, and he speaks at great length about it. And it resonated with me, especially when he said, you know, I'm, he said for him, he viewed himself as always an addict. It's just a matter of some days are better than other days with regards mm. to the struggle. And that was very real. And I understand it was, it's a show, but it resonated so well with the, the ups and downs and the roller coaster nature of people who, who are doing different drugs or alcohol or, or whatever the vice is in, in that sense. Yeah. And, and it's difficult too, because I think in the United States, we've got such a, we have this system, this, this cyclical nature of the the abuse of something and then getting sucked into the criminal justice system, coming out, trying to do better, and then getting sucked back in. And there's yeah. limited resources available. Hopefully at some point we'll change that. You see such great effects. Johan Hari wrote a book about it, about different countries taking money that they use to quote unquote fight the war on drugs and put it into educational resources and different clinics to really help people get through this difficult time. So perhaps we'll get there someday, but we don't, we're not there right now. So it, it is really difficult. And I think by you continuing to be transparent in the book and talk about how this, these times were good when I was with my mom, these moments were good. Yeah. These letters were good, but then she got sucked back in again. And then you even had a moment that really just, I mean, made me tear up quite a bit where you talked about, I think it was in the afterward, or maybe it was right at the end of the book where you talked about your mom, did she have a fatal overdose? Was that, did I remember? She did. She, she ultimately okay. died right. of an overdose. And that, that happened in my adulthood. That was That's uh, right. maybe four years ago now. Yeah. Okay. And that, that was something where it, it really just struck me. It, it I think it, it, the story of that is despite someone really wanting to work through it and working really hard, it, the, the addiction as a disease really does pull you back down and it's very difficult it to get out of. Um, I want to know, because so that book was very powerful and I want people to check it out. You've also had a lot of other material as well. That's been really, really great. You've worked on the, uh, I've got it right here, the Jedi Academy. Of course, we talked about the lunch lady series as well. My daughter cannot get enough of the lunch lady book. She thinks it's yeah, hilarious. <laughs> she kept asking me, so she's in kindergarten, right? And then, and so it starts with everything is virtual right now. So she hasn't been in like a physical building with a physical lunch lady cafeteria, uh, all this yeah, yet. And yeah. so there was, I was talking with my wife and I was like, I don't know if she's going to get some of these jokes because she hasn't seen a lunch lady in action. And, and I was like, well, I'll just read it to her anyways. And then, and she's reading most of it. And I'm teaching her like how the, the thought bubbles flow and, mm -hmm. and the frame to frame. And she asked me, she was like, um, why does she keep making food references? And I explained <laughs> what her job is. And she thought, then she like fell off the bed. She was laughing so hard. She didn't realize, she just thought like that was the thing she said, like with the cannoli binoculars and the spatula yeah. copter. She's like, I don't like, what's like, is this like her version of Batman? Is this just what she's doing? And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> just, it's food related. She just loves lunch. <laughs> she just loves lunch. <laughs> so my daughter thought it was funny. And I wanted to know, so you've done, there's a, there's a couple things I want to do. I want to ask you about 
some of the origin for like lunch lady as well. But then I also want to, I know you've been doing a lot of stuff in quarantine with YouTube videos and tutorials. So I want to get into that as well, but real briefly from my, so I can go back to my daughter with information. This is a selfish question. I want to know <laughs> what was kind of the, the, the motivation to really craft the lunch lady book series and what got you so excited about, or actually, no, I want to know about the motivation, but I also want to know about the, the art style choices for the book as well. Yeah, for sure. So actually, again, it connects back to my first book being published, Good Night Monkey Boy in 2001. I, I visited my old elementary school and my old lunch lady, Jeannie, was still working at the, at the school with a, a team of, of lunch ladies. And um, I went up to her to say hello and we, we struck up a conversation and she, she told me all about her grandkids and it, and it really blew my mind. I thought, I didn't know she had grandkids. I mean, like, like we've never had a conversation that didn't revolve around food, right? right. Like, and now we're two adults just catching up. Right. So, <laughs> and so, you know, that image of, of the, my lunch lady as the matriarch of a family at the holiday dinner really stuck out to me. And I started crafting a story about kids who would wonder what their lunch lady did after school. And it was a picture book. And uh, I sort of followed where my imagination led me. And, you know, on one joke on one page, a kid joked that maybe she was really a spy. Right. <laughs> Uh, and and so then that became more interesting, and then I tried writing it out as a chapter book, and then that didn't really work out. And then, but I just kept developing the characters and filling sketchbooks. But around two thousand and four or two thousand five, I revisited some artwork I'd made as a kid for an anthology. We were asked to make con like connections with our creative selves as kids versus adults, and I found a comic that I'd written in fifth grade. And as an adult, I continued the story and I remembered how much I loved making comics as a kid. And so I, in 2005, I, I was able to pitch Lunch Lady as a graphic novel series, but the major publishers weren't publishing graphic novels for kids. I think, I think Scholastic Graphics had Bone by Jeff Smith, the, the full color oh, versions of yeah. Bone in 2005. And that, that, that was the very first of the major children's publishers getting into graphic novels. Yeah. So uh, Random House, they had been publishing all of my picture books and they, they had it for about a year until finally they said, okay, we, we think we can, we know how we might be able to do this. Like there is no, what the publishing in publishing is called the PL, the profit and loss statement. So whenever they pick up a book, they can say, oh, we know how much it costs to make this type of book. And so we imagined we might sell these many copies. So then we could, we could sell the book for this much. And then th that's how they figured it all out. And so they had no PL data for graphic novels. Sure. So uh, they were like, well, let's, let's try paperback 96 pages designed to be the size of the, the outer pocket of a backpack, but they decided to limit the color because they just weren't sure that if the you know if the production cost was high and then the retail cost would be higher, like people just wouldn't wouldn't go for it. Like they weren't convinced, right. and they weren't sure if this was going to be a kind of book that would would do well. Sure. Um, and so when we had to decide on that one color, we chose the we the color of a lunch lady's rubber glove, like that iconic dishwashing oh, rubber yeah, glove. And that's, yeah, yeah. And so um, and then the, the first book was published in summer two thousand nine. That's awesome. I love so it was that. An eight, it was an eight-year journey from initial idea to, to printed book. 
How many books are in this series? There are 10 books in okay. the Lunch Lady series. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm thinking ahead, like Christmas presents. So I'm just okay. <laughs> trying to know how much to, to budget out. No, I, I think it's so cool because it's it's so... It took me back, honestly, I used to watch Recess as a kid when that cartoon was on. <clears throat> and there's an episode... There's a substitute teacher, and his name is Mr. E, just the letter E. And all the oh. kids come up with this grand idea of, like, maybe he's a spy. Maybe he's a cyborg. Maybe, like, all these things. Because they would ask him, like, what does the E stand for? And he goes, I can't tell you. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. And so it ultimately, like, I forget. I think he's just a normal substitute teacher with just, like, this cloud of mystery. But they go through these whole ideas. And so when I read Lunch Lady, I, I thought about that and was like, I think as a kid, it's always like, well, clearly these people don't lead normal lives. So what do they even exactly. do? <laughs> I think I, as a kid, I once, I ran into one teacher outside of school and it blew my mind. And so we were, we were out to eat and my art teacher was at the next table over. But then I was so offended because then she got up from her seat and then moved so her back was towards me. And it was I took that so personally. Um, but my grandfather explained that she was drinking wine and probably didn't want her students to see her. Oh, drink. of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right. I want to know now, speaking of art and speaking of um, just unique projects, talk to me about Draw Every Day, which is what you've been doing throughout quarantine, right? You've got, what, 60-something yeah. episodes now? Something like that. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, yeah. So... You know what? I, I travel relentlessly, mm -hmm. you know, visiting schools and, and, and spring is a really busy time and fall is a busy time. And so when everything was clear, everything was shutting down, like, so oh, was it Friday the 13th, March, March 13th. Yes. Um, I was like, you know what? I should, you know, our, our, here in Massachusetts, like our schools hadn't closed yet. And a lot of the parents were struggling with like, do I pull my kids from school? Right. And we had friends who did were planning on that. And they posted on their Facebook page of, you know, a whiteboard of the schedule they would keep when they moved to homeschooling. Right. And at 2 PM, they had art every day. And I thought, okay, well, that's something I can do to help. Like I could go on YouTube live every day at 2 PM um, for two weeks. It'll all be over. And then we'll all go back to our normal lives. Of course. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and so, uh, and so uh, after two weeks, you know, it was went enormously really, really well. And um, I said, okay, well, it seems this is going to be going on for a couple more weeks. So, and, and at that point I, you know, people were really seeming to depend on it because, you know, the schools were still scrambling trying to figure out how to operate. And I did it every day for another couple of weeks. And I think ultimately let's see, March, April, May, June, did it for, for three months. It took the summer off, brought it back in the fall, a um, number of other episodes and, you know, for 2021, so I, I stopped doing it every day. Right. So like I, I sure. was, I realized like, this is not, this is, <laughs> this is not sustainable <laughs> by any means, right? you know, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I, and then uh, in 2021, I'm going to make it a, a weekly show instead of this in the fall is twice a week. And so uh, I'm debating about, you know, whether I'd go live again, there's something exciting about being live, Sure. but, but I'm on YouTube and it's made for kids. And so there's, there's no way to interact with the audience in real time because YouTube, you know, rightfully so complies with Coppola's where if the child is under 13, you cannot solicit them to input information. Right. 
So I'm trying to figure out like, you know, does making it live make sense? And I think I'll probably switch to Saturday mornings because mm, the, the initial, great, yeah. you know, like the, the initial need for it was to fill time and how quickly our society moved from like getting our kids overscheduled already. Right. <laughs> like, yes. Everyone's overscheduled, yes. but with Zoom links and it's socially disciplined. Oh it's, it's, it's intense. Yes. And so, um, so I think, you know, I look back at my childhood and like Saturday mornings were the time to just chill, watch mm-hmm. cartoons and draw. So I, I think, you know, and it's funny, it'll still be called draw every day because that's what I named it. I'm stuck sure. with a name, right? even if it's just once a week, but you draw every change, day once a week. Right. But you can change the theme and you can flip it. So instead of you drawing every day, you want, you know, the audience to draw every exactly. day. Exactly. I'm empowering the, you right. to draw of every course. day. It's more of a <laughs> mission statement, right? It's a brand yeah. statement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I do have fun with it, and you know, and and my New Year's resolution was to do more webcasting, right? So well, there you go. I, I thought I was I was doing a good amount of webcasting before the shutdown, um, and, and yep, when everything shut down, and that's why I was able to jump up right away because I had the space and I had the equipment. Sure. I love that. My daughter and so both of my kids have, so I got my undergrad degree in theater back in the day and uh, didn't necessarily encourage or discourage anything from my kids with my five-year-old, my three-year-old. I just kind of wanted them to naturally gravitate towards whatever they wanted and then I would support it. And so my daughter is all about art right now. She's drawing constantly. And so it's something where I was, she had a lot of things she was interested in. And then when she started kindergarten, it's really clear that that's the thing she looks forward to most. And she works on, we got like an easel for her and she does it in the living room and she comes home. And so she's super pumped about it. And so it's something where I'm excited that these videos are out there so I can show her a little bit and we can kind of work together on it. Um, oh, and then, that's great. And then my son is all about the piano. He is, we do this uh, thing called pro uh, it's called like preschool prodigies or whatever. And so he, it teaches him like pitch and the right notes. And so oh, nice. he's, you know, my, my grandmother, um, who passed away several years ago, she left us her piano. And so we've got that in one room. And so he'll be plinking out tunes to the ear and his, he, for whatever reason, he got obsessed with the song, take me out to the ball game. Not sure why, <laughs> <laughs> but he's obsessed with like knowing it by heart. And so every day that's like a routine, he does that and she works over the easel. So it's a very art filled home. So nice. I'm very blessed in that sense. And I love the idea of having these videos because then you can pull them up on demand. You can work through them. It's almost like a, like a, <laughs> like a new Bob Ross in, in a way, it, you know, yeah. it's just like, that was the thing that I enjoyed when I was growing up as a kid watching Bob Ross and trying to, to recreate some of the paintings as he was going along, but it was an easy to understand way. And he didn't make me feel like inept at not getting a certain bush or a tree. (laughs) We'd all have mistakes, just happy little accidents. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, and there's, there's, there's so many resources on, on YouTube that, you know, it, it's it can be in an intense space as you go down different rabbit holes uh, right. that my kids are suddenly I'm like, why do you want to watch this video where someone is just recording the sound of them chewing and playing with slime? I, I don't understand that, but <laughs> oh, who knows? Who knows? And it's hard to be like, and they have like 5 billion views. Right. Like that's just, <laughs> it's like. I feel like the advice my parents gave me growing up was just like, you can't just, you can't just sit around all day and eat stuff and expect people to pay you for it. Well, now they are. Now they are. Yeah. Jokes on us, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah. They didn't know you'd have a Google ad account. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. What has been, um, I want to know from both the video, the draw every day, and then also from the works, uh, the different graphic novels that you've worked on. 
what has been something that's been uh, a unique and interesting challenge that you've had to kind of figure out how to put your own spin on something? Hmm. Now, I mean, I think that you're like, like all you can do in life is just, just be yourself and put yourself into your work. Right. So, right. um, you know, there's, there's versions of me and all of that work. I mean, the lunch lady books are, you know, like they're, they were modeled after the comics I wrote as a fifth grader. Uh, and, and, and Hey kiddo was nerve wracking at first to be able to, to put that part of the story out, to, to write a book that had, you know, cursing in it and intense subject matter and to, to be able to separate it. So I really do have two completely separate tracks. You know, right. I have the track of a younger audience and a, and a, a teen and adult audience. And I feel lucky to have that because I, I have the sentimentalities for, to, to entertain both, both groups. Right. No, I love that. Um, I want to know, I think last question before we start s transitioning into different segments. Um, what was it like, like truly, what was it like working on the, uh, the Jedi Academy Star Wars books? Was it intimidating at all to work on a franchise with such a big name as Star Wars? Or was it more just, no, this is just uh, the next kind of job and I'm approaching it the same as I would approach anything else? A little bit of both. I mean, uh, you know, not only was I, is it Star Wars, but then I was jumping into a, a pre-existing book series right. that, that was beloved as well. So Jeffrey Brown made, had made three books in, in his Jedi Academy trilogy. And what I had to stop myself and, and remind myself is that, well, like they hired me for me. Like they, yeah. they didn't hire me to make a Jeffrey Brown book. They didn't hire me to do a Star Wars movie. They hired me to make a Jared Krasowska book, right? right? So that's exactly what I did. And so my, my approach was, well, these are, these are kids in middle school and they are going to have social and emotional problems just like any other kid. So that's yeah. where I started with the storylines. And then from there, I'd have to dig into the research of what creature is called what and what planet <laughs> are they from and could right. they get to this planet and that planet. So there's, then there was like this, 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 just study right. afterward of, of after I've written the story of, of the of the world. I mean, I know it, but I don't I don't know it by heart. Sure. You know? um, I I you know, and and now of course I know so much more from from all of their work. And now I get you know when I see Wookiee dispelt with one e, I'm like it's, just, it's two e's. <laughs> Come on, it's and so the obvious. pluralization <laughs> of Jedi is Jedi, not Jedi's. <laughs> the force oh, should be capitalized. Right, right, right. All these things, I love it. Yeah. It's um. I'm a huge fan of books where you've got like different types of like, um, I don't know how to say it, like different types of writing instruments uh, within mm -hmm. the fictitious book. So like as yeah. an example, like the Dracula novel has got like journal entries and letters and prose and it's all kind of oh, mixed yeah. together. I yeah. love that. And so when I picked up uh, the Christian Stars star speeder star yes star yeah. speeder yep and it's got like it's got her letters and regular narration and then the like instagram accounts and everything i was like oh i'm gonna love this book this is fantastic oh thank you yeah it's fun to piece that, those things together and to even you know create uh you know like you know what would their social media be and then how would each character approach how they present themselves on social media differently right. i love that 
All right, we are going to transition to the segment Things to Check Out. It is a segment where I share something that I'm reading and somebody that I'm listening to, and I ask my guests to do the same. So I will go first, and actually I will say, hey, kiddo, I'm rereading it because I really, now that I've gotten, I know all the things that are coming, I'm rereading to pick up on some of the more nuances. So that's what I'm currently reading. And as far as who I'm listening to, I'm still listening to uh, NPR's podcast Louder Than a Riot, which traces the interconnectivity of uh, police brutality and uh, hip hop, the rise of hip hop in the black community. So it's an interesting study about how uh, both of those things are intertwined as we look through the history of systemic racism in the country. But Jarrett, what are you currently reading and who are you currently listening to? I just uh, recently read Almost American Girl by Robin Ha. Ooh. It's a graphic memoir about uh, Robin coming to America from Korea when she was in her very early teens uh, and thought she was thought, thought she and her mother were just were just vacationing to Huntsville, Alabama, and then arrived to realize that that's where she was living permanently with her mother and her mother's new husband. And uh, it's a very powerful story. Wow. And she does this really unique thing and, and to tell the story and how she uh, she speaks Korean and how she's trying to grapple with the new language she uses different colored text and the word balloons Ooh. and 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 for me as somebody who only speaks one language it helped me better understand somebody who is who's getting a handle on a second language in a space where that language is predominantly spoken that's fascinating i'm excited to check it out and who are you listening to any podcast music anything you know i've been listening to uh my spotify's uh you know, they have a daily drive playlist. Oh, yeah. So it pieces together what you're listening to quite a bit. Um, so right now for me, that would be, it's right now a topping between uh, The Strokes and Ben Queller and um, uh, the new Taylor Swift album. And then uh, my my son, who is four, is really into this app called My Singing Monsters. Oh. And they have <laughs> songs and it's, and so every now and then, that pops up and it's totally triggering to me because he's just been obsessed with it during quarantine. And I think I, you know, I could live to be 100 <laughs> and I will hear that music. I'm like, Oh, back in 2020. We're <laughs> um, all staying in our homes. Right. <laughs> uh, good times. All right. We're going to transition now to the last segment of the show, which is the dad joke of the week. It's a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests. So it works out for me, but I do like to put my guest on the spot first. Jared, do you have any jokes you would like to offer up today all right i i have a meme okay that somebody was had just recently sent to me okay so i will i'm going to describe the meme because this is this is a podcast and it, it, i'm really this is this has gotten me in stitches all day okay <laughs> so so in the image we see jack nicholson and diane keaton on the beach mm -hmm. and somebody has photoshopped P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, to be really small. And the caption reads, Little Diddy with Jack and Diane. <laughs> <laughs> that is classic. That is great. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, is a, that is a dad joke meme. <laughs> that is good. I love it. All right. Well, I've got a couple. Um, okay. Jared, after, a, after an unsuccessful harvest... Why did the farmer decide to try a career in music? 
<sighs> I don't know why did the farmer try to get a career in music. Well, because he had a ton of sick beats. Beats. Yep. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What's the difference between a well-dressed man on a unicycle and a poorly dressed man on a bicycle? I don't know. What a tire. A tire and a tire. Oh, that's good. That's good. That, that runs deep. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, last one. Uh, last one is, uh, what do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? What do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? Uh, gosh, I want to crack this code. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Philippe Flop. Philippe. Yeah, that one was nice. Oh, okay. Was good. Was okay. Good. Was good. Yeah. All right. Well, Jared, if, <laughs> if people if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, studiojjk.com or at studiojjk on every social media platform. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jared. And we do need a hashtag for this episode. I wrote down hashtag draw every day. Does that work for you? Awesome. All right, perfect. Well, Jarrett, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, this has been great. I'm excited for folks to check out your work because I think you're doing a lot of good things to help empower our kids to be their full authentic selves and express that creativity onto paper or digital platform or however they choose to do it. So thank, oh, thank you. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate, I appreciate that, man. It was wonderful to chat with you and connect with you. Of course. Thank you so much. And listeners, I'll be back next week with another great episode. But until then, hashtag draw every day. And as always, I will hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.